welcome to another episode of We Are Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I will be your host for this evening or this morning or this afternoon. It depends when you're listening because after all, it's your podcast. Um, joining me today is a, a gentleman by the name of Igar Alavir, who is from 2D6 Games. And 2D6 Games is based in um, Estonia. And they ha- they have a they have a Kickstarter coming up um, soon, and uh, called Dwarven Traders. And uh, they've also been involved in various kind of um, they see on the website they they're involved in a lot of various kind of economic type games. Seems to be what they what they like to do. So, um, hello, Igar, Hello. Um, Hello, Richard. Hello, everybody. <laughs> nice to be here. <laughs> it's nice to uh, it's nice to have you here. Um, if for people who are listening for the first time, uh, thank you for joining us. We have just passed episode one hundred and fifty, which I have no idea how we reached um, so many episodes. But uh, the reason that we do this is because um, we quite simply don't believe we quite simply believe that there's not enough. Uh, podcasts out there about board games and the other reason that we do this is because um we were kind of introduced kind of brought together by a mutual friend of the show um katie from katie's game corner who kind of suggested it be a good idea to to have you come on the show and have a chat with us um to talk about your kickstarter and to talk about 2d6 games um in general so Again, thank you for coming on. Um, to start off, do you want to tell us a little bit about kind of how you got into the kind of the tabletop hobby, please? Hmm. I wonder where to start. Well, perhaps we can skip the childhood as well. At that time, there weren't many games available except the usual Snakes and Ladders and Monopoly and uh-huh. all these. But but I actually liked all those Monopoly versions and clones we had here around that time. Was it a was it a was it an Estonian version of Monopoly then, or did you get just all the different kind of European uh, type copies? Or uh, there were an Estonian version, kind of official. Uh-huh. One, but it was these were the nineties that were quite hazy times here. <laughs> so the end of occupation and yeah, yeah, and so on. So we had all the different versions and clones of it, so and I even even made some myself based on these. What <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, did you base them on local landmarks then, or did you? Just no, I just used my imagination. Yeah. What sound cool? <laughs> but uh, then there was some university jobs, mm-hmm. so there, there was a, a long silence. But uh, when when people usually talk about their gateway games, then these are well, like Catan or some simple card game. Yeah. But I, I remember my first tabletop game, modern game, what it was. It was uh, War of the Ring. The really? Yeah. Well, I, I had a friend who said, hey, I have a 
this uh, token themed game do you want to play i said hey why not and then we had a whole day but it was fun because that's not a game you you play for half an hour i mean that's a that's a big that's a big commitment <laughs> That's a big game to play from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, and the second one. Can you guess what it was? No, probably no, not. No, <laughs> the twice. Game of Thrones. All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> and after I survived those two, then you, I, can, you can play anything at all. <laughs> I I can play now anything. <laughs> and then there were then there came Catan and so on. All those simple. Simpler games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, was it um, was it um, quite easy to to get a hold of board games in Estonia? Then is it you know? Did you have a was there shops you could go to? Quite easy to get your hands on stuff, or was it a difficult well, thing? Yeah, my hobby started actually at almost at the same time when the first dedicated board game store started around here. Mm-hmm. So it was, I, I wouldn't say easy, but still we we had what, we were able to get what they had had to offer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you, do you have quite a reasonable size collection then? Do you have quite, mm. a, quite a big collection of board games at the moment? Well, back then I had reasonable. Yeah, but uh, well, like almost everybody in the hobby, there was a time when I went almost crazy with the games, but yeah, well, now I have again, reasonable I try to keep it around 100 or so (laughs) It's funny how um, having 100 board games is considered to be a reasonable size collection (laughs) (laughs) If you had a hundred of anything, then people would look at you. If you said, "I've got, a, I've got, a, I've got a hundred sets of um, different types of training shoes," or "I've got a hundred watercolors," or "I've got a hundred bikes," or "I've got a hundred pairs of gloves," I've got a hundred hats, then people mm. would people would look at you and go, "What?" Yeah, but, it, but you can't call it a hobby if you don't have a hundred of it. <laughs> is that is that the benchmark, Geiger? You've got to have. A hundred or something. No, no, no. So, actually, I'd be happy to have a lot less games, but I don't have enough <laughs> heart to I know. sell those brushes. It's even the ones that you, even the ones that you play, and you don't really like. You even kind of like it's difficult to even get rid of them because. Buying the games themselves, or 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 having the games arrive, there's always some kind of memory, <laughs> kind of associated with them, you know. Oh, this was the first ever worker placement game I bought, or this was the first ever kind of um, war game that I bought, or it was the first ever kind of I guess um, heavy euro game that you bought as well. Um, have you got a couple of favourites in your collection that you would never ever sell, you would never ever get rid of? Mm, yeah, definitely, <laughs> but but it's it's a hard question actually. Who's your favourite? What's your what? Okay, 
What's your What's your favourite kind of three that you've got in your collection that you would just play right now if you didn't, you know, if if you're going to be setting up for a board game night, what would be your kind of your favourite ones you'd like to play? Well, if if I have players, then I'd say some war games, some Maria, mm-hmm. Combat Commander, mm-hmm. or anything from the Coin series. I oh, just right. lo- okay. lo- love this this series. When did you when did you first start um, getting into the Coin series of games? Do you remember the first time you tried them? The first time you played them? It probably was in one of our local, like we call it, war game camp. All right. Which uh, we just organized from time to time those weekends when we just gathered out of town and played all the war games. (laughs) 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 And and that was the time. When I probably played it first, it was the Andean Abyss. All right, okay. Uh, and it and it kind of clicked for me. Did you have that kind of wonderful moment where there was kind of like a, it was a moment of joy <laughs> that just clicked with you? Because different people kind of click with different kind of kind of different games, even games they haven't kind of played. Could have played before. Well, well, it was kind of moment at the end that hey, <laughs> I can fin- finally figure out some something here. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is it you like about the coin games? Sorry. What do you What do you like about the coin type games? What is it you mm, like about them? What I like is that. Uh, there's plenty of options available always to and uh, as far as i i have understood none of them are perfect and so you have to choose something and then live with it but but you know that all other players have the same issues <laughs> yeah did that set you off i mean do you have quite a large coin kind of game collection then? No, actually no. I have only one left. Do you? Yes. But but that's the best one. Which one is that? Fire in the Lake. Oh. Yeah, I've heard um kind of people kind of people talk about it. For um <clears throat> for people who haven't played a coin game before What's the mechanics behind it? What would you normally do during the game? I mean, is it is it quite are they quite complicated games to kind of play? No, actually, actually, they're not. They're quite simple when you finally get the rules, because what what you do is half of the time, half of the time you play, you do nothing because <laughs> it's not your turn, <laughs> and. Uh, and the other part, the other half of the time, you do what options you have left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you, you, when when it's your turn, uh, then you have only 
let's say, two or three options available, mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. you can do. And from these options, you can again choose a bit uh, what what do, do you want to do or what is your goal. Okay. Have you, are you quite restricted in in the kind of the actions you can take in a, in a round then? Yes, you are restricted, but still you have some freedom left. Okay. So it, it's a bit hard to explain the mechanics <laughs> in, in that way. It's always easier is that, to show people. <laughs> is that why you like them? Because of the various kind of possibilities that you have then? Because they're quite kind of deep then? Well, I suppose yes. Okay. Is is that why when, I mean, what made you decide to move from kind of playing these types of games to actually designing the games yourself then? Mm. Well, this is uh, this happened thanks to my other favorite type of games, so the 18xx, the train games. Oh, right, okay. And, uh, well, I suppose you know the basic mechanics there. There are some companies building tracks and yeah. they have shares and so on. So I, I was, I was, and I'm still fascinated by the stock market in those games. And... From time to time, I imagined what would it be like to design a game when there, there is a stock market, but n no nothing of this uh, tra track building fiddliness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing led to another, and that, that that's the way I started designing games. Was it, um, did you spend a long time designing the game? I mean, um, did you go through kind of various different versions? Because, I mean, you've got, you've done quite a few. I mean, I'm talking about the, you've got the Making Profit, the board game. Yeah, that, that was the first game I, how to say, I designed and published and made lots of mistakes, learned mm. lots of lessons. <laughs> <laughs> so let's not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would you? Yeah, but yeah, but but uh, there, there's a funny story related to that uh, game. Mm -hmm. Or I I suppose it's a funny because uh, how one thing is to design games, but uh, how can a person get an idea to start start a publishing company. So, yeah, because most people, when they create a game, well, nowadays anyway, they go to like Kickstarter. They put the game out on Kickstarter and they get the kind of the funding, kind of that way. Yeah. Um, but you decided to completely um, self self publish, making profit then. Yeah, well, it was, I don't even remember, was it a five years ago mm -hmm. or, or six or something like that? So 
uh, that time I knew nothing about Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had a game I, I had designed, and so I was offering it locally here in Estonia to different publishers. Yes. And after I have waited for almost a year for an answer from one, and they finally turned it down, saying that, no, no, it, it's not something we would like to publish. So I thought that, that ah, to hell, I'm going to make my own publishing <laughs> company <laughs> with Blackjack. <laughs> so is that where, is that, is, is that where you decided to open up the publishing side? This was, yep. I take it was 2D6 in existence then. Did it exist and did you just add the publishing side to it on top of that? Uh, no, it, it was the publishing. Okay, okay, okay. So did you then bring in, I take it all the designs, because you've got a fair number of designs on your on your website. You've got like Lembitu, Roundhouse Kick, Puppy School. You've got uh, First to Find... Um, Five Miles of Wonder. You've obviously got 1918 Death on the Rails. I mean, are mm-hmm. these are, are these a mixture of your designs and other people's designs then? Yeah, some of them are mine and uh, there are also others. And w- what I have done is also localized uh, other designers. Okay. For example, from, um, from UK... Dog Eared Games has a very nice game, Stackpots. Mm-hmm. I saw it in a UK Games Expo and I really liked it. So I asked, I don't remember the name of him, but it, it doesn't matter. I asked if it would be okay if I localize it, agreed mm-hmm. the terms and... Now it's available in Estonia. Oh, right, okay. Is that something that you would do a lot then? Do you do quite a, a do you do quite a, a regular kind of games where you're kind of localizing the content for Estonia? Uh, I haven't much thought about it. But uh, yeah, this might be one direction I might be taking. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the moment, no. At the moment, I find that publishing new ideas is much more fun, much more interesting for me. Mm-hmm. When you publish the games, do you have do you have quite a few kind of game game shops that you're working with where you're selling, or do you do you also kind of sell them through? I know I notice you a lot of the games that you have you sell online. Um, you use your site. Do you sell on places like um, you know Amazon and eBay and and other online shops? Uh, do you go to like local businesses to sell the games? Uh, locally here uh, in Estonia, I'm in distribution, and so right. my my games are in the bookstores and uh, uh, game stores, and I also used to own. An online game store here as well. All right, okay. Well, partially own, uh-huh. but 
uh, just recently sold my shares there and dedicated more to the publishing part. So, so yeah, in Estonia I'm quite established and mm. now I'm trying to make my games accessible to more people. Yeah. Take, taking the international world. Okay, okay. How um, how easy have you found that to kind of break internationally, you know, go into places like the, you know, the rest of Europe or the UK um, and even places like America? I mean, have you looked into those marketplaces at all? Not easy at all. Okay. <laughs> well, if you just think that uh, there's thousand new games created each year. Yeah. So so it's you don't have to try hard to be unnoticed. <laughs> <laughs> Is it was it a bit of um was it a bit of a shock after you having obviously the distribution deals that you have throughout Estonia to then start branching out and realizing that you you're really having to make an awful lot of noise to kind of get noticed. Well, of course it was a shock. <laughs> I, I, I was hoping that everybody would want them. <laughs> but uh, in real life, uh, yeah, you have to make a lot of noise. And you may, be, you may have the best game in the world, but it doesn't matter if nobody knows you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you... Um... Have you then looked at um, kind of? Do you go to Essen, for instance? Then is that so? Have you been to Essen a few times now, or is is, is Essen some place you go on a regular basis? Yeah, I almost go there on a regular basis. When whenever I have a new game published, mm-hmm. then that year I visit Essen, and I also have tried to visit the UK Games Expo as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, wasn't wasn't lucky last time last year, but we'll be there this year. All right, okay. crossed. Okay. Are you going to have a stand there then? Or are you just going to yeah. come along? Yeah. No. Yeah. With with a stand. Oh, excellent. Okay. Okay. Is this this is part of the, is this part of the drive to to get kind of the two D six kind of name kind of out there? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And it's fun as well. And I love UK. <laughs> <laughs> have you been a few times to the UK? Yeah, two or three, uh, and each time I have been selected for the customs search. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's not random anymore. <laughs> you just feel like they're picking on you. <laughs> I suppose if you if you're walking through with a big pile of cardboard under your arm. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're shaking too much maybe you've got too many dice in your pockets maybe just they love games <laughs> exactly <laughs> you go in they start searching you it's like hang on I have 15 games I've, I'm missing three where have the three gone and the <laughs> customs officers are just kind of telling you to, to kind of be on your way pretty much Um, <clears throat> I mean with I mean, have you thought about kind of um, have you are you looking at kind of like taking on kind of UK kind of ideas? To, I mean, you mentioned obviously the stack bots. Are you kind of actively looking for maybe kind of UK games designers to to kind of work with as well? 
Are you more? Yeah. yeah? Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, in a few years. All right. <laughs> and, okay. and, and, until I have my own ideas published. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, because you've but got. I, I, but I'm running out of these very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> because you've got. Um, you've got 1918 Death on the Rails. Um, yep. And that is. That's a game. It's um, it's a you said it's a block war game, but it's based on the Estonian War of Independence. Um, that was like nineteen eighteen to nineteen twenty. So, is that um, is that a pure, a very very pure kind of war game, tactical war game, for that? That's right. Okay. Is it? I mean, is it? I mean. I, I mean, with you. I mean, it sounds to me you like kind of the this kind of the semi kind of complicated stuff. When you're looking at a game like this, I mean, have you gone with something that's quite complicated in terms of the rules, or have you thought, well, I've got to make it accessible as possible to as many people as possible? So, have you made it kind of as easy as easy for people to get involved and get into it? Yeah, but it, but it is easy, actually. It's meant to be played in. A- one max two hours has simple rules. I just love simple rules and nice components. So I, I believe it's accessible. It's just uh, that the term war game may just put put some <laughs> people off. I think it's quite um, a niche. It can be a niche market. I think sometimes when you say war game, people automatically think about. Um, you know, a game that's got a hundred kind of plastic miniatures on the table and they're using kind of like measuring tapes and, and uh, you know, little laser measurers yeah. and, mm. you know, fif- 57 dice that yeah, they're but rolling. There, but, but there are fans for these as well, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of how does... Um, how does... How does the game play? I mean, how does Death on the Rails play? I mean, I can. I'm looking at the kind of the rules just now, and you've got the kind of the maps. You've got kind of an a- action cars and initiative track. Um, I mean, how would you go about kind of? It's on hexes as well. <laughs> yes, every good game has hexes. <laughs> <laughs> that that's my motto. <laughs> Is that? <laughs> so every game you've designed, if it's not. Instantly, you're, have you got like hex shaped paper? <laughs> you instantly start kind of like creating a game. Every time I look at a new game, first yeah. I look if if it does it have hexes. If it does, it's a good game, <laughs> and I will buy it. Does War of the Rings have hexes? Yeah, but uh, about the nineteen eighteen, then yeah, I believe the. Mm, most interesting part, perhaps, is uh, the initiative tractor, as it uh, it determines whose turn is it, and uh, if it's my turn, then my opponent will draw a card, and yeah. it say and it says how many actions I have I can take, but he doesn't show it to me, so I I don't know. How many I can, how much I can move, or how many 
times I can fire or something like that. And then I, I can choose only from two actions actually. So it's either I move some units or I fire with them. And that's all. And during opponent's turn then what I can do is the reaction fire. And then okay. again, uh, both, both sides have objectives they try to fulfill and whoever does it first wins. And we were trying to keep the rules as simple as possible, so that's because there are just two or three actions available. So Yeah, I mean, you've got your, your sequence of play. Because I'm looking at the rules just now. Mm-hmm. I, got, and, I mean, it's a 10-page rulebook. <laughs> and it appears like two of, those, two of those pages are taken up with actually the history. Yeah. Of the battle, so you've got eight pages of rules, and then you've got the entire. This isn't a war I... game. This isn't the kind of size of a war game rule book. I was expecting to see. I was expecting to be scared when I clicked on that link that said you can have a look <laughs> at the rules, because it just says it's. I mean, it's as you say. You know, you can. Um, it's like got six six things. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know. The beginning, and, the active and, players, and, and, t- and out of out of these eight pages, yeah, there are, there are also scenario descriptions included. So the actual rules are two, three pages. But is it one of these games? And I see this time and time again that as you get more and more into the game and you play it more and more, you you kind of get you you kind of unwrap the different levels of of kind of strategy. That was the goal, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you, do you get um, do you have regular groups that you kind of play test? Did you put you know did you put um, you know did you did you put this game out on kind of like to quite a few groups? Did you like go around quite a lot of different kind of uh, board gaming groups to kind of get feedback on it and things like that? Yeah, I was actually lucky to to get it tested uh, with uh, different war gamers so people who are familiar with the conflict resolutions and and so on so yes there, there were several groups that were involved okay with, with, with making this game and also the designers had quite good war gaming background. And and not me, but uh, Marty Lauri. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm just a child compared to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't have to be so hard on yourself. Um, but you're saying it's currently in final production, and you're shipping it out at the end of. You're shipping March. it at the end of March. Yeah. So, did you? I mean, um, one of the things you see. Nowadays, which is quite popular, is rather than businesses go to Kickstarter and um, you know go to Kickstarter and wait and see if they fund, they wait and see if they've got so many um, kind of pre-orders before they go ahead and, and kind of push it to kind of push it to production. I think um, I think it's at GMT 
sometimes do that. They have, you know, if you want the next game, then we need at least kind of 300 orders before we will we'll kind of take it to print. Is is that what you've done with Death on the Rails? Were you waiting until you got to so many pre-orders before you were deciding you are going to put it to print or were you just going to release it kind of no matter what? No, no, I'm releasing it no matter what. Uh, um, because it's uh, related to this uh, uh, hundred years birthday, right? Estonia, okay, Estonian Republic, I right? Okay, three days ago, and so I was determined that uh, as a part of this celebration, this game must be published, and also uh, I got burned out. I got burned uh, with this Kickstarter. Oh right, last okay. Time, last time I tried it. So uh, what? Uh, what happened with it? Sorry. What happened with the, <laughs> the Kickstarter? Well, what happened was that I got some five backers or, <laughs> ah, or right. something like that. So I wasn't prepared at all that time. Is it? So, I mean, is it a big? I take it. Is it a big difference going? It must be going from being well known where you are, and be able to say, okay, this is the next game that we're doing, and know that there's going to be, you've got your distribution network, you've got people who are willing to take copies of the game to moving to a Kickstarter model, and it's almost must be like walking into a completely empty room, and then realise that you've actually got to fill it yourself kind of thing was you know did you is that where you kind of went oh this isn't this isn't like what I'm used to kind of thing yeah first I don't talk that hey this should be easy well I make games people back games there but yeah you're right it's completely different compared to the this uh old school publishing so you have to make a lot of noise a long time before you start you have to create a following and yeah. so on you have to have a beautiful art long before you publish and so on okay so so the whole process is different and it was quite difficult to get used to it did you have to um, learn a lot more about kind of get more involved in things like social media and stuff like that then and, you know, have, I guess, be more up on the kind of the presentation side of things? Um, was that kind of like a new experience that you had to kind of learn in that side? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, getting all those social media channels, getting involved and realizing how much time it does take, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, but, but 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 it's fun at the same time. It's interesting. It's a it's like a new world. It must be. Yeah, I mean, it must be different because, especially if you're used to kind of, like, I guess, making a phone call and saying, "Okay, we've got this new game coming out. How many copies do you need?" You're kind of going out, and in some ways, I've seen people who are running Kickstarters kind of interact almost with people on a on a one by one 
type basis, basically. I've seen them engaging in conversations on Twitter or Facebook, you know, actually just telling people why they should consider backing the game, as opposed, I guess, to kind of talking to the the shop owner. I, I mean, Kickstarter, I guess, has changed because you do get kind of like the retail pre- pledges, but it's not a case you're automatically just phoning somebody up and saying, okay, are you taking 50 copies of our latest game then, I guess? Um, I mean, um, have there, has there been... Have you had quite a lot of interest in Death on the Rails kind of locally? I mean, has there been a lot, quite a lot of coverage... Um, in the kind of the media in Estonia, I mean, have you have you have you have you managed to get, get kind of get quite a far reach within the kind of local groups that you're involved in and things like that? Well, not yet, but I I believe it will become when the game is ready, when it when it's published, as uh, there is. Not not much such history of uh, how to say it of the games being cre- still in production. Well, yeah, well, I guess it's building. Uh, usually yeah, around here, people are talking about stuff when it has happened. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so it's a case of um, here's a new exciting war game. I want to tell you about. You know based around the revolution, and then people say, can I see it then? It's like, uh, no, because we, <laughs> we haven't fully printed it yet, kind of thing. Yeah. So people are expecting you to say, okay, here's my here's my board game. Okay, can I can I see it? Can I touch it? Can I play it? <laughs> and you're like, um, well, no, if you go to your website, you can, you can order it from there. So I guess that must be a bit, a bit kind of strange. Um, but you are, you are saying you are going back to Kickstarter though, because the the next game you're looking at is um, is Dwarven Traders. Yep, I have a plan to to launch it and and be successful this time. <laughs> and, <laughs> and this time I'm more prepared. And. I I still believe that Kickstarter is a good platform. Yes. It's a good tool. And if everybody else can then I believe I can as well. Absolutely. So um do you want to tell us a little bit about I mean, do you first of all, do you know when you're gonna be launching kind of Dwarven Traders? We haven't set uh, fixed date yet because uh, we still have some open questions regarding the cover art and stuff like that so but I hope it to be in a month or so all right okay so in the near future okay okay and do you want to tell us kind of how do you how do you play dwarven traders I mean, what you say on the site is that dwarves are best known for their mining skills, but what's the use of those jewels when only gold is accepted at pubs? 
Therefore, from time to time, dwarves abandon their mining equipment for a year, roll up their sleeves and try to get the most money for their gems. Um, and keep the trading. Some small bets and wagers are placed to find out who's the best gem trader among the dwarves. You go from you go from wargaming to dwarf trading. How did you come up with the idea for the game then? I even don't remember it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, where it all started. But... Uh, were you sitting around with like a pile of rubies and sapphires and diamonds and thought, how am I going to get rid of these? <laughs> well, I have these. Let's make, let's put out the game. <laughs> exactly. Hmm. But, no, but I believe it all started with the mechanics here. So yeah. as the base of the game are four trading cards mm-hmm. and they're two-sided. And there are actions on both sides. So you do the actions and then flip the card upside down. Okay. And that's the basis of the game. And the actions are always either you mine mine a gem or you sell a gem you own. So you have always two actions you can do. Both, if you like, or you can do just one. Mm-hmm. And you do it, and then it's next player's turn. It's as simple as that. And there is a small... Uh, I wouldn't, I will not say stock chart, but some price level chart. For, oh, right, okay. each, for each type of gem. And each time you do something, the price changes accordingly. Ah, oh, right, okay. So, in that way, uh, you try to raise the value of your gems and at the same time decrease the value for everybody else. So, it, it's again, it's a game that uh, depends a lot of the players, how, how they're making it, how they're making it to this, how smoothly the game goes. Can it get quite... Um, shouty. Can you get people shouting at each other? <laughs> kind of, if if their friend kind of make, makes them lose a whole pile of money. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, shouting at your friends. That's why the, what the games are about. <laughs> that's the aim. The aim. 2D6. If they're not crying, they're not trying. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Oh dear, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, how how long does it take to play? About one hour. Okay, okay. And what's the feedback been like? I take it. I mean, have you have you been, again? Have you been kind of? Um, did you play test this quite a lot? Um, mm. Have you been in the process of play testing it quite a lot? Yes, this this has been play tested. Quite a lot, I I believe. It's be it has been in playtesting for a year or so. Mm-hmm. And and uh, 
I have played it myself so many times already, so it's getting a board. A bit <laughs> of... <laughs> yeah, but but the feedback has been good or even excellent. This time. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. And then, obviously, you've mentioned about getting the kind of the noise out there for the game. Um, have you, I mean, what have you been doing in terms of in terms of that, in terms of raising awareness on the game itself? The social media or yeah. the stories, pictures, <laughs> pictures, stories. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the the creative side I'm not strong at, I admit. Yeah. Have you got like a team, kind of helping you with that? Then have you kind of brought in other people? In I, the I, I I don't know if that was the answer to your question. <laughs> no, that's. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, it must be. Again, it's kind of. I guess you know, if you're going, to, if you're heading to Kickstarter, it's kind of like bringing in that whole extra kind of skill set that you kind of you kind of need to kind of need to bring in I guess mm-hmm. um I mean you mentioned you're kind of thinking about launching it in the next kind of month to kind of six weeks have you thought about a price yeah the price level should be around 20 25 euros that's really, really, that's what about twenty? That's about eighteen pounds. That's not yeah, eighteen to twenty. That's not um, that's not an awful lot of money at all. Have you been having to? I guess this is the other thing. As somebody who's used to having the distribution network, um, kind of relatively locally, kind of geographically, have you had to start to investigate kind of shipping? You know shipping across the world as well then because I mean you mentioned I mean you've got already on um, you've got already on you know on the on the other game you say you're going to be on death rails you're going to be said you're going to be shipping worldwide so is that something you've also had to look into um, for dwarven trading as well yeah I have the some shipping agreements with with a US distribution company ship naked. All right, okay. 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 And where are you um are you manufacturing kind of locally or are you going to be getting it printed in kind of in China? Uh, locally it's quite impossible impossible as yeah. The board gaming standards are so high so they need a specific board gaming printing factories. Ah, right, okay. So, no, I, I've done in China, but this time I'm going to do it in Europe, in Poland, actually. Ah, right, okay. Yeah. okay. I did lamp it to there, and they do a decent quality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're much more closer. So, the, sh- <laughs> the shipping, shipping time is... Uh, much faster yeah yeah and i guess if if needs be um you could take 
it's easier to get to. I guess in it, guessing it's easier to get to Poland from Estonia than it is to get, go to China yeah, from def- Estonia. Definitely. <laughs> so you've always got that kind of um, you've always got that kind of thing as well. Um, for if people are kind of listening tonight and they're thinking about you know they're thinking well, dwarven traders sounds something that's kind of quite quite interesting. Why should somebody consider kind of picking or considering kind of backing the game when it does kind of come like what what, what would you say what you should say what would you say they should they should consider backing the game well first because it's fun that's a and, good one uh, <laughs> that's a good answer and, uh, <laughs> well, that's what most of us are looking in the games to be fun I really hope that. And the second one is that I believe this uh, flipping the action cards mm-hmm. it's kind of unique. I, I'm not sure it's the unique so nobody else has done it but at least it's not mainstream yet. Okay. So every time you do something you reveal different actions for others. Okay. Cool. Okay. And it has gems and jewels. They're have nice, you, nice shiny bits. Have you actually got gems and jewels in the game? Uh, not for the 20 pounds. No. That's <laughs> good. That's a gem. <laughs> you could each imagine that. Cut yeah. each di- <laughs> nine carat diamond with each copy. <laughs> Yeah, but I wouldn't have a problem with Packers then. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'd have a problem with, you know. <laughs> yeah, but th- th- these will be plastic ones. Oh, I'm, so- cool. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, well. But what you could do is you could say, well, in, in one of the games, <laughs> you'll be putting a real diamond. Yeah, collect the whole set. Exactly. All you've got to do is you just back the game and you can back as many copies as you want <laughs> and potentially inside there's going to be a diamond a real one in one of the boxes that'd be amazing <laughs> <laughs> well it's about there's that, probably that's, ga- a, that's, a, that's a good idea <laughs> <laughs> there's probably a ga- there's probably a gambling a gambling law though I go let's be you know, you get a knock on the door from the Kickstarter, yeah, from the Kickstarter yeah. police. I'm afraid so, <laughs> but they don't know where I live. I know. No, they will because they'll have your details. Oh, they won't have. They won't have your proper address. <laughs> so what what we're talking about here is we're talking about gambling, offering people precious stones, and giving incorrect address information. Mm. <laughs> very, very much. T- <laughs> so th- that's a good topic you have to, for today. <laughs> you totally sound like you're ready to be on Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've had enough time to practice. <laughs> oh dear. Um, if, I, but in seriousness, if people have um, listened tonight and they want to find you on the internet. Where can we find you on the internet webs, Mr. Alavir? Well, we are everywhere in the internet. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're in the Facebook. 
I would uh -huh. say that the, the best way to find us over the internet is to to go to our website judy6.ee and we have links there to our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and so on and so on. Okay, and that's 2d6.ee. Yep. And what I'll do is I will make sure that um, I get a pile of um, links from you so we can put them in the show notes so that we have um, we have some notes to show. Yeah, so that's, that's even easier, yeah. There you go, so people can just click away. Um, when's the When's the closing date for Death on the Rails? When are you stopping taking kind of pre-orders for Death on the Rails? Mm, it was end of March, if I remember correctly. Okay. So um, up and up until the end of March, you can jump on to the site and you can you can purchase yeah. a copy. And it's, I don't think I asked the cost of Death on the Rails. How much is a copy going to cost you? It's uh, 65 euros, and at the moment it's a free shipping worldwide for that price. Well, there you go then, 65 euros. And again, we'll make sure that we've got a link into onto those pages as well, so people can have a look and they can, you know, and if you're interested, then check it out. Check out the rule books there so you can read over the rules. They've got pictures of all the components that are on there as well, so it's... It's looking very, very interesting, especially for a war game that's only got eight pages of rules. That sounds that's going to attract a lot of people, in my opinion. Um, but that's just my opinion. Um, and my opinion as well. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not alone. I know that's good. At least there's two of us. <laughs> um, listen, Igar, thank you. Um, thank you very, very much for coming on. Um, I wish you best of luck um, with Death on the Rails um, when Dwarven Trader um, trading comes out we'll make sure that we you know we'll we'll make sure that everybody is made aware when it's kind of um, when it's kind of out and it's available and, and the, the project's kind of live as well um, I just wanted to thank you for um, for coming on the show um, thank you for inviting me it's been it was a, a pleasure it's been a lot of fun. Um, if people want to keep an eye on what we are up to, if you go to Twitter and you'll find us on We're Not Wizards, you can go to Facebook and you'll find us on We're Not Wizards. You can go to Instagram and you can find us on We're Not Wizards. You can go to, um, you can go to YouTube and if you search for We're Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast, if you you can find us through the local normal kind of podcast catchers, Stitcher and Spreaker and Acast and Player FM and Podknife. Um, you can obviously go to our website directly, which is we'renotwizards.com. If you want to support us, just tell somebody. Our downloads are growing ridiculously high at the moment and I appreciate every single person that decides to, to kind of tune in and, and, and give us a give us a try. Um, thank you for for coming on board um, if you really like us um, please consider going on to Apple Podcasts and dropping us a subscription if you like us even more please consider giving us a rating or a review and as we say um, if you like us a lot give us a rating but don't give us 10 stars 
because that makes us big-headed. And please don't give us one, because that makes us cry. But give us five. It's in the middle, and it's average. And uh, we're a little bit average. But the person who's not been average tonight is the wonderful, the fantastic, Mr. Igar Alivier from <laughs> 2D6 Games. Um, thank you again, Mr. Alivier, for coming thank on. Thank you. Best of luck, um, as I say, best of luck with Death on the Rails. Best of luck um, with the up-and-coming Kickstarter campaign for Dwarver, Dwarven Traders. Um there's only two more things to do. The first yep. thing first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards? You're more than that. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. <laughs> Could you say we're not wizards in Estonian? May you love it. Fantastic, that's brilliant. <laughs> and it honestly was that <laughs> no, not uh, order some noodle soup <laughs> oh dear and the second thing is just to say goodbye so it's a goodbye from it's a goodbye from Igor goodbye and it's a goodbye from me remember stay safe roll sixes and if you don't fancy checking out what happened during the Estonian War of Independence, then certainly check out what happens when dwarfs decide to trade in gems for beer money. Um, and check out um, check out two d six. But until the next time, goodbye. There we go. That's us done. Okay. Okay, so what you need to do is if you go to um, Audacity and if you press stop. The yellow button.